Hallelujah. Emmanuel, God with us. I don't think that was more like a Jesus word. I don't think this no crying he makes thing was real. For real, don't you think? I don't know, definitely don't think he, I, I think he was a real person in every way, you know, so diapers and all, yes. <laughs> well, welcome to our Christmas Eve service. It's great to see you. If you're visiting with us, welcome, welcome, as has been said. We love you guys. We, we trust that uh, we're planning a little bit of a short service. We're, gonna, uh, we're going to, like Corin said, we're going to have our young people um, come up here in a little while, and, and they're going to do something special for us. Um, but uh, we're talking about God with us and Prince of Peace. It's such a powerful truth that we get to remember, you know, technically speaking, Christmas is one of those times that um, has become very commercialized. We all know that. Um, we're not anti, uh, you know, Christmas, of course. We, we, we just kind of, sometimes we just get caught up in all the humdrum and, and we're not, you know, just about the running for the presents and we want to we wanna just speak peace over you, relax, chill, don't worry about everything. I know that no matter what pressure is on you, I want to just take that off you. In Jesus' name, enjoy a time where you know what gift was given to you and for you. That is the biggest thing of all. You've got to learn to receive what he's given so that you can give. But number one is learn to receive what he's given. You know, in, in Luke 2, the famous, uh, this famous passage, I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version intentionally from verse 8. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I love that last one, if you'd leave it up there for a second. Goodwill toward men. That's why I like the, King, the New King James Version of here. Because so often we have told that Jesus came to bring peace to men in the sense that he brought peace amongst men. So we get this idea that we can have peace amongst us, but that is absolutely not accurate. You know that God could not bring peace amongst men. <laughs> Look at the wars. Look at what's happening. You know, because we've got human nature, we've got, we, we, have, we have free wills, God can't even do anything about that. And that I'm not going to go into. <laughs> Thank you, Giselle. <laughs> like, but, but, you know, they, these angels were, were, were celebrating because God brought peace toward mankind. From God toward men, he declared peace. In, ver in verse 11, I'm going to pull it out there. It says, for unto you, born this day in the city of David, is a Savior, number one, who is, number two, Christ, number three, Lord. He is Jesus. He is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord means he to whom a personal things belong, about which he has the power of deciding, master and Lord. Christ the Lord. The Lord of your life is the one who makes the choices for you. It's the one that you subject your choices to. That is what Lord means. To declare Jesus Lord means you take a step out of the driver's seat and let him choose. That's what the word Lord means, right? Savior, man, what a great word. Deliverer, preserver. He can deliver and preserve us. He came, to, that's where he came. And Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, he is Jesus, the anointed one, the Savior. Good news of great joy because the deliverer was came. You know that that's the same word Moses means. Moses was a deliverer. He, Moses delivered Israel out of their bondage, out of Egypt. He was a deliverer. Jesus came to lead us, lead mankind, if they will, but believe he has a way to lead them from their bondage. So good. So what's in the name? You know, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Man, you know what is so profoundly uh, 
encouraging is when you see how much exact prophecy, how prophecies that like this, this chapter in Isaiah was thousands of years before Jesus. And here it is, specific, the virgin. There's so many specific virgins about Jesus' birth, where he was going to be born, etc., etc. The pinpoint accuracy of Scripture is encouraging and should be encouraging to us because we can see God is the God who lives outside of time. He is the one that looks and sees and he knows things. And to know him as our father is so encouraging because he knows what you're about to go through, right? He knows everything about everything. So we're, can relate, um, we can relax, we can rest in him, our refuge and our pillar. I like this saying I saw, Bethlehem, talking about places, was where we saw God with us. Golgotha is where he was for us. And Pentecost, where he was in us. God, with us, for us, and in us. In, verse, in chapter 9 of that same book, Isaiah, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Love the names of God. Don't you? Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end of peace there will be no end again let's be clear this isn't peace amongst men this is not talking about a human peace that that would be wonderful if we could click our fingers or even inside our church our beautiful lake haven family do we never we never have any problems between us right Sorry, I, that was too much of a light-hearted <laughs> joke for Christmas. Yeah, but, but we, you know, peace, peace, the peace that we get to, of his peace, there would be no end. Jesus couldn't bring peace amongst men. It's important to realize that. You know, in, in fact, in, in, listen to this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This is Jesus speaking. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace. But a sword, for I've come to turn man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy shall be the members of his own household. What? Jesus didn't come. He came to turn people? No, no. He knew that what he would be teaching would be divisive. He knew because people would have to join in and others wouldn't, would use their free will and choose not to take it up. That would divide them because you've got people in your family that are going to say, yes, I want this free gift. Yes, I want what Jesus, yes, I want what God, yes, I want him to be my deliverer. Yes, I want him to be my Lord. And you're going to have others say, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I want to vote this way. I want to do this. I don't believe that. I, you know, my, my body is my own. Don't you tell me what to do with a baby. Whatever, Right? Sorry, I'm not trying to get political. I'm just talking real, right? <laughs> Luke 12 says this in 51, uh, very similarly. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter, mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law. Man, he gets specific. Any of you felt that? No. Yeah. Anyhow, so are we unpacking the good news? You know, we talk about the gospel, and Jesus came to bring us good news of great joy, it says. That is what the word gospel is. He came to give us good news of great joy. But because we haven't even unpacked what good news means, we haven't unpacked what, the, what makes the, the blessing of the new covenant, what makes it new, what makes it, what makes it all good news. But we see that these, that you know when God makes a covenant, a, co a covenant is the most solemn of all promises. The most solemn. And, and God made covenants with people of age. And, and, and we, we, when we know that he made a covenant with Abraham and with his seed being Jesus. And, then we, and, and we we can, we've unpacked this in other Sundays. But when, when we step into Jesus, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you step into the covenant of Abraham. 
because you are in him, in Jesus. And so he says in Galatians 3.14, so that in Jesus Christ, the blessing of Abraham may come to the Gentiles so that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In verse 29, and if you are Christ's, there's a big if, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. You see that? You see, so the covenant blessing of Abraham, blessed, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You're going to bless the nations. Those promises to be a blessing are still valid. Amen. And we can step into the blessings of Abraham by, by receiving by faith this gift of what Jesus gave to us. And in verse um, 13 of that same chapter, it says, uh, it says that none of the curses, we all get the blessings promised under the law and none of the curses. We, none of the curses, the curses were placed on Jesus. If we are accepting the curses of, Matt, of Deuteronomy 28, if we are disqualifying ourselves because we look at our, fault, our faults and failures and our inability to live up to the perfection of the law, it's so easy to say, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. But, but we don't realize that the curses were placed on Jesus. This is part of the good news. That's why these angels could announce it from on high. Amen. Peace, goodwill towards men. So, one, one benefit of the promise and blessings, right? God forgives all our sin. Isn't it good? Matthew 26, 28 and Acts 13, 38, just for the recording because we're not going to go there. To not really be covered by the blood of bulls and goats. Not the old way of just trying to say, hey, listen, for another, till your next sacrifice you are cleansed, but completely removed. The Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. That's powerful. Jesus said in John 3, 16, which just before that, in John 14 and 15, he said, just like Moses raised up that bronze serpent on a pole, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. When John the Baptist saw him, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you know that God will never judge you for your sin again? I'm going to let that drop a little bit because people are going to say, but that's all. Listen, I'm going to say it again. God will never judge sin again. Every sin was judged on the cross. Every penalty for your sin, past, present, and failure, was fully paid. Your ransom was paid. Shannon, are you saying that everybody's going to go to heaven? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that everybody will go to heaven because there is one thing that we have to do. We have to receive that, that beautiful finished work. That is the only work. That is the, the only thing. Jesus said, what is the work of God? This is the work of God, to believe in him who he sent. It's, it's to cling. It's not just a mental acknowledgement. It's to receive him as, the, as Lord and Savior of our life. To enter into this process, to, to understand that Jesus, who paid the full price, the full penalty for your every sin, is your Lord. That he paid that. You see, there is going to be a judgment day one day. There is going to be a great white throne judgment and the Bible talks about it. There's the majority of people will be standing before the Lord, who, ones who chose not to trust in Jesus for their righteousness and chose to go it alone. Those people are going to be standing in front of the great white throne. But you who believers, you who, are, who have received Jesus, Lord, you will not be at the great white throne judgment. You will be at the judgment seat of Christ before that. You will, and, and I'm going to teach on this at another time. But you, great white throne judgment is for people who have chosen not to receive this immensely free gift. Who wouldn't want it? You know who won't want it? People who have been lied to about what Jesus requires. People who have been told, just come, you know, God only accepts you if you pay your tithes or you do everything and you're perfect in every way. That's not what it is, talking about your actions. It's talking about whether you will receive by faith the gift of this, this 
with what Jesus did. Your penal, the penalty for your sin has been settled. Paid in full. Tetelestai. When paid in full, the debt has been paid. You know, you know, as long as I've been a believer, and I, 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 that can still become a wonder to me, to meditate on that truth, to realize that in Christ, I am perfectly righteous. In Christ, I've experienced that full reconciliation, that full exchange. I took, he became my sin, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, so that I could become his very righteousness. That's hard to believe. That's hard to believe when you've just had a fight with your wife or your child or that's hard to believe that that when you've just dropped the ball and you've succumbed to your addiction yet again where you promised and swore up and down to God that you will never do that again hard to believe that you are the righteousness of God but you know it's an essential part actually to overcoming because while you believe you are not the righteousness of God you, that while you believe that you still have to sort of attain to some moral code of conduct before you are qualified, then you will act in accordance to what you believe you are. But when you believe that I am the righteousness of God, when, you're, when you soak your heart and persuade your heart in the belief that I am the righteousness of God, that that was a gift of grace, that the Lamb of God paid for my price, that paid the price for me, that I am righteous. I honestly believe that. I mean, I haven't talked about righteousness for a long time in this way. But I tell you, when you receive that gift of righteousness, that becomes your reality. I believe that's why a lot of people struggle with receiving healing. The free gift, like Karen mentioned, that beautiful scripture in Peter. We've been given everything for life and godliness. But when we receive, well, this is part of the good news. I, can't, I, I know the angels must have been scratching their heads. You know, the, the Bible actually alludes that it says that the, 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 the patriarchs of old, Abraham and Moses and Elijah, they could not even see what was going to happen. They didn't have an inkling. You see some of the prophets like Isaiah who so clearly spoke about what was coming. They, they couldn't quite conceive of this great gift of grace. But here in a manger, in a manger, people, that's incredible. A baby that was going to be the with God in the flesh. There is so much to unpack there that, that, that God, the, the Bible, you know that the, 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 the Jewish religious system back in the day struggled with Jesus. Because they were, not, they were expecting, they, they refused to see the scriptures that spoke about the suffering servant. I've heard that they actually, some of them actually tore out Isaiah 53 out of their, their, their Torah, their, their books. Because Isaiah 53 clearly showed that their Messiah would first come as a suffering servant. He is going to come again. The Old Testament or, or back then, it, their, their scripture showed them that the second time he comes... He would be lion of the tribe of Judah. There is a second coming. But the first coming, we, are, we have been benefited. This is the one, the one where he was born in the manger. The one that he was raised as a carpenter. The one that he was the meek one, right? But there's a second one. There is a second coming. I love it. You know, I, I, when I read Revelation... To me, it's amazing that the, the John, uh, the Apostle John, is the one Jesus gave the revelation, the apocalypsis, which means the revealing, the, the, the drawing aside of the curtain of Jesus Christ. And, and John sees this, uh, this revelation of Jesus. Now, remember, John is the one that Jesus hung out with. He said, I, this is the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved. He was the one that rested his head on Jesus at you know, the Last Supper. He was Jesus' buddy. They, Jesus, I mean, John and Peter, you know... John knew Jesus, but here in the book of Revelation, when he sees Jesus, when he sees him, he falls down like a man dead. That Jesus, that Jesus is the same Jesus as this baby in the manger. 
the greatness of that Jesus. It's so easy to diminish the greatness of God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. But that Jesus is still Lord. That Jesus is still our friend, our brother. When we step into covenant with him, that great and mighty king and that second coming, I don't believe is very far off. To know that we've been given, given, offered righteousness freely. And it says that God remembers our sins no more. There's clear scriptures in, I'm just going to, again, for the sake of the recording, Hebrews 8, 12 and 10, 17. He will not remember your sins. Clearly written there. He bears no record of your sins. He's not going to remember them. I love this. Um, and we can turn to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 8 to 10. Um, we'll read, in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. I'm going to stop there for a second. Go back to, if you wouldn't mind, Redeemer, the one that would pay the ransom, the one that would buy you back, the one that would purchase you out of your bondage. It's no different to a slave being paid for and set free. Says the Lord, your Redeemer, he says, with everlasting kindness. Man, that is, they're not temporary kindness, not with a little bit of kindness as long as you live right. He says, no, with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. And then he says to this in verse nine, to me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, Amen. says the Lord who has compassion on you. Wow. Isaiah 53 and 4. I mean, we've just, this has come straight after, after Isaiah 53. And here we see he says that. He says, he says, this is, reminds me of the days of Noah. And so you've got to remember the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? When he swore that he would never cover the earth with water. Remember? Remember the sign that he gave? <coughs> the rainbow. I'm sorry, it's been hijacked. Rainbow is a great thing. It's our sign. Doesn't mean LGBTQ, LMNOP. It's not, it's like, it's our sign. Jesus put it in the sky for us. God put it in as a sign of a covenant where he made a covenant. He swore. Again, it's the most, a covenant is God. God swore. Do you understand? Listen, God doesn't have to swear. God doesn't have to make covenants. His word is his bond. He can't lie. He is faithful and true. He doesn't have to make covenants. If he says it, it's going to happen. He is not going to take it back. He's not going to say, oh, well, uh, no, I meant, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean that. No, but he made a covenant. The covenant, same the covenant to Abraham. He made the covenant to Noah and said, listen, I regret. I am never going to destroy the world with water again. And he says, this is like this covenant. And he says, never will I be angry with you again. Never will I be angry with you again. Let that soak in for a second. This is the new covenant that he's talking about. That is what Jesus was going to bring was a new covenant that we celebrate next week in communion. The new covenant where we celebrate his body broken for us and the new covenant in his blood. Like I said, there is going to be a judgment day, believe me. But right now, God is not angry with you. God is not angry with people. Jesus has removed their guilt from them. That doesn't mean, I've got to say it very clearly when, you, when I say things like that, it doesn't mean that they're going to heaven. The only way by which man can be saved is in the name of Jesus. You have to only in Him can we experience this beautiful exchange, this reconciliation? Only in Jesus. 
One day, when we, if you receive Jesus and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, one, you, you go, as soon as you pass from this, it, this world, you go into eternity. To be absent from the body, the body is to be present with the Lord. You don't have to pass go. You don't, like I said, you don't have to go to the pearly gates and see and go through some kind of a test. Like all the jokes tell us that. It's like, no, if you're in Jesus, you will immediately be with him. Jesus said you'll not even taste death. I believe that's, our, that's, our, that's for us. You won't even taste death. I really do believe that. I've been at many bedsides, many bedsides with people that have passed over. And it's kind of fun sometimes when, a believer, when, it, when it's with a believer versus the unbelievers. They're fearful. They don't know what's coming. They want to hang on to life. And they're better because this is the closest thing to heaven that they'll ever have. Their eternity is going to be beyond terrible. But when a believer passes over, passes over, it's fun. They haven't even taken their last breath here, and they're already half in heaven. They're smiling. They're seeing people. They're like seeing Jesus. They're, I mean, it's, it's, that's why I don't believe. You step over into eternity before you even breathe your last. Who, 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 why would we fear that? Isn't that awesome? But never to be, he says, I've sworn never to be angry, not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken, the hills move, yet my unfailing love will not be shaken or my covenant of peace removed. You know, the Prince of Peace, as we've mentioned, Prince of Peace is Jesus. The one who came to declare this peace, this covenant of peace, that's why the angels sang. The only one who could reveal Jesus. Jesus had to come. You know, I... There was no way that God had the ability. From Adam, he had no way to communicate what God would look like and act like and behave it until he said, you know, the only way that I can communicate this, I've tried, I, it doesn't matter how many prophets I send, it doesn't, show, it doesn't matter how many miracles I did, it doesn't matter, they cannot understand my words because they are spiritually dead. He's had to, he had to indwell, he had to indwell a human body. And we see that in Philippians 2, that he emptied himself of his divinity and he put himself, he came as a baby. God with us. That's why Emmanuel is so powerful. People could see what he saw. I love this in, in, in um, see God in the flesh, what Jesus, what God himself, every part of the character, nature, will was revealed in and through the life of Jesus. Matthew 11 says this, verse 27, all things, I'm reading this out the ESV, all things have been handed to me by my father and no one knows the son except the Father, and no one, listen to this, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. There was only one who had been in heaven for eternity, with Him for eternity, is the only one that could reveal Him to us, to us humankind. In, in the, in the um, Message Bible, it says it this way, Jesus returned talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son, uh, sorry, coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. Listen to this now. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. But I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Jesus came, said, listen, I came here to go over. I'm came to, to show you the Father. These are my, some of my favorite passages of Scripture because it says, I mean, in, in, well, I mean, I've got to finish that whole passage because it goes straight over that to verse 28, which says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Remember, this is God. This is Him revealing the Father. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Doesn't that sound good? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is Jesus' revelation. 
It says it in so many other places that he is the only one qualified. Listen, John 1.18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. He is the image. That word is icon. Yes, like you've heard, icons. He is the image of the invisible God. You wanted to see what God looks like? You want to look at the icon. You want to see, and he is the exact representation. There's, a, there's another word that says this in the Strongs. Um, an, an image, a representation, a likeness. Um, but in, if, in Hebrews 1 verse 1, it says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, this is, says it so clearly, God spoke to our fathers, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom is he, he has appointed as heir of all things, through whom he has created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the, world, the word of his power. That is the word character. And that is literally an exact copy. A copy. If something was a character, it was that it was that print, that that seal. Like you know, they used to use their rings. You've heard these things about their rings that that would seal. It was the imprint. It was the exact imprint of his character. That that is huge. These verses that I've just rattled off clearly show that Jesus was it. He came to reveal in the flesh what God actually looked like. Now, that is some nice information. You, you may have heard that information once or twice or a hundred times or a thousand times, but what does it mean? What does it mean when you say, well, that means that when you, when you see anything, when you, when you hear anything about the character and nature of God, go to the life of Jesus. You know, I, I, I was at a Bible school in um, South Africa years ago, and I heard this said, you know, you can, you know, the most important things for New Testament Christians are kind of, you know, you could zip through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they've sort of like, don't worry about them so much because Jesus was in the Old Testament. You really want to stick with the epistles. Some of you may have heard that. That is terrible advice. That is terrible advice. No, that Jesus did live under the law. But I tell you what, he is the exact representation of the Father. He lived in such a way that we could see what the Father lived like. You never throw out Jesus' words. Are you kidding me? He is the living Logos. He is the Logos. He is the Word of God. It says, it says so clearly, in the beginning, he was the Word, right? The Word was with God. The Word was God. He is, he, is, he is the demonstration of the Word of God. And so there's been so many things that I, I you know, I, fortunately, one of my teachers and mentors years ago when I was in the mission field, you know, I, would, I had all these concocted that I'd come up, you know, you watch, you, well, then we didn't have YouTube, but you listen to all these preachers and you read all these books and there's a gazillion Christian books to read and they'll tell you this and tell you that about this thing and spiritual warfare and that thing and that thing. And... Uh, and my mentor said, so where do you see Jesus doing that? And it shocked me because I, you know how many doctrines that I had simply swallowed, but I hadn't gone back to the life of Jesus. I'd never seen Jesus teach that. I never saw the apostles teach that, but I had swallowed those things hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because I didn't, these scriptures that I just rattled off, they were just information. How do we take that and make that real? How did Jesus act towards people? We beat people up. We, 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 you know, there's some of these in the Christian, you know, world. There's people that are, people hating people that are having abortions. They say, you murderers. They, there's Christians, been Christians that have been anti-Semitic, that they've hated Jews for the same reason. Christ killers. Do you know that that was a big chant back in World War II? The Christ killers. There's a whole move in America today, anti-Semitic stuff. And you'll hear it. All of these things are like, everybody wants to just hate people. And they feel like we're justified because we've got the right religion to hate people. Where did Jesus do that? In fact, 
We say Jesus taking the worst of the worst. Often he was with tax collectors and sinners. They weren't his biggest buddies. He didn't go and say, hey, listen, I'm partying tonight, guys. Hey, that, that's taking it a little crazy. That, but he wasn't afraid of being with tax collectors and sinners. There's a big difference, right? You know, Jesus, but he, it, you see him with Zacchaeus, a tax collector, a well-known person who people did not respect, who, who was liar and cheat and thief, and Jesus goes and spends and has lunch with him. The woman caught in the act of adultery, thrown down before his feet. Religion loves to kill people, loves to justify killing people. What does Jesus do? Let me rephrase that. What does God do? He is the revelation of God in the flesh. The way Jesus dealt with the woman in court in the act of adultery is the way God sees and deals with a person caught in adultery. Now I have to say this for the legalists among us. Does that mean that I should just run out and commit adultery? No. Jesus said to her, woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Other places he said, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Sin is its own paymaster. God is not the paymaster of sin. There's a huge difference. I'm going to say it again slowly. Sin is its own paymaster. God does not judge you or punish you for your sin. But most of the Christian world doesn't believe that. Ah, oh, God's going to get him. God's going to get him. Ooh, I can't wait till God gets him. That just shows the level of ignorance about what Jesus did on the cross. God cannot get him. Jesus already took it. Wow. Shannon, that's dangerous. You are talking dangerous now because if you believe that, then people are just going to go out and sin and go all crazy. They're just going to go and do all. No. No, no, no. That, that, that would be stupid. That would be like saying, my wife... Um, and she's just gone to go and get the kids, so she's not here right now. It's just like, but can you imagine if my wife loved me and, and loves on me and, and, like she does, and she, she, is, she is so super good to me, and she prepares a meal for me, and, and she just loves on me in every absolute way and makes me feel so loved, and I think, oh, man, I want to go and commit adultery right now. <laughs> is that what your response is? Of course not. When you are loved by God and you experience love, you come into relationship with Him. You provided this intimacy of relationship with Him that pro produces in you a desire to live in relationship. Yeah. When, 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 my, when my love is blended with a fear, you know what my fear is? I don't fear Karen. I'm not fear that she's going to beat me up. I fear that my relationship will be hurt. I, I fear that my, 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 this love intimacy that I share is going to be hurt by, by anything that would come in between it. Do you understand the difference? I don't fear it because there's going to be, there's going to be punishment. No. Praise God. Anyhow, there is such good news. He is the exact representation of our being. Of, of, of his being. He came to clearly demonstrate. Praise God. Emmanuel. I, I see all of that in one word. Emmanuel. But you see, if it's just a song, and it's just a nice song that we sing, I want to, I want to encourage you. Take a moment. Remember, He is God with us. You know, when we celebrate Easter and, and, and uh, Pentecost and things like that, there's other elements. Now, we know that these, the, none of these, these holidays are, 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 are special. They don't really, in the New Testament, make any different day. You know that we shouldn't, we shouldn't keep Christmas just for Christmas. Does that make sense? We shouldn't keep understanding what Jesus did just for Christmas Day. 
That should be that what, Je what Jesus did with one Christmas day, we, should, we get to experience all year. With one Easter, with one crucifixion, with one, with one, we get to experience that whenever we want to. We, we live in that relationship. With Pentecost, the Holy Spirit doesn't come down every Pentecost. He doesn't come and leave at the end of the service. He comes and dwells with us. All of these truths, we, but we know we tend to get a little bit religious. We tend, we tend to think that these celebrations are just parties that we've got to, that, 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 that's what makes them special. No, no, guys. Just remember tonight as you, if you're doing Christmas Eve tonight with your family or whether you do Christmas morning, remember these wonderful truths. He came to declare peace. He came to make peace with us. God, goodwill towards mankind. The question is, what will you do with what he offers? What will you do with your family? You know, I know some of us are challenged with our family members, but I want to encourage you, if you have opportunity, remind yourselves and your family about what Jesus did. God with us. Remember, go and read that passage in Isaiah 54. Never again will he rebuke you. Remember the offer that's freely made to you. Respond to that this Christmas season. Amen. Well, our young people have got something ready for us, so let's, uh, let's get ready to... Um, what they, they, are, they are coming in, right? Oh, good. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. came to see the baby stood by his mother's side here lay the savior inside a manger oh what a glorious night
in Bethlehem, the king is sleeping. Oh, what a glorious night. Oh, what a glorious night. You guys did such an awesome job. Don't you think they did an awesome job? Woo! Hey, kids, did you know that the youth were going to come out? You knew that, oh, they, they were trying to surprise you. Youth, you guys did an awesome job. Kids, you did an awesome job. Teachers, you did an awesome job. Grown-ups did an awesome job. Okay, so moms and dads, your kids are here. Obviously, we're not going to let them run away right now. They are hyped and belled. <laughs> so if you hear a jingle, don't take it home. Okay, kids, I'm going to have you guys sit on the front for a second. Moms and dads will come and get you as after the service, they'll check in with your teachers. All of the kids are here. If you brought a little, little one over here, they're up front with Miss Carrie and her helpers. I want to encourage you. It's not a glorious night one night. It's a glorious night every night. And what we focus on is what we get more of. So right now where you are, just close your eyes for a minute. Thank you, Jesus. that you represent a father who would send his son to redeem us. That it was so important to you that we experience abundant life, that you would become meek, mild, poor, suffering. That you would endure the temptations that we all endure, yet live a sinless life that you would sacrifice yourself, not just your body on the cross, so that we can be healed from every sickness and every disease, but that you would spend three days beating death, conquering the grave. Thank you, Father, that we can put our trust in your son, Jesus, that we can say yes to everything that you have in this new covenant. Today, if you want to say yes for the first time to Jesus, if you want to say, I receive my king, let's pray this together. Everybody say this. Jesus, today I make you my king. I make you my Lord. I receive you as Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making it possible for me to live with you forever. Thank you for bringing peace to me. Despite the storms, despite what's going on outside, I look to you. In Jesus' name. We have a prayer team that will be up up front here that is ready to pray with anyone and everyone. If you've got a need, any kind of need, please don't go home without seeing one of our prayer team ministers today. Today is a good day, and we got gifts for you, and you're a gift to somebody else. So don't go home without hoping, hugging, smiling. Keep the kissing above board. <laughs> I don't know what the Bible means when they say a brotherly kiss. What I do know is he loves us more than we can even imagine. Amen. Okay. So moms and dads and anyone wanting prayer team ministry, you guys are welcome to come up to the front. Come and get your kids. Check in with your teachers. If you're sitting in a seat where you are right now, if you guys can just help us by unconnecting the seat that you're in, we're going to stack these chairs in stacks of six. And you guys are welcome. Oh, I will mention this in case you're an overflow regular. We are not having overflow this Wednesday, and we are not having youth this Wednesday.